This is Packer and Durham on ACCN and Sirius XM Channel 371. Everybody's here. Chester's sound asleep. Brother Fuller's back here now in my spot, giving Wes some freedom for Thank once. Thank goodness. Boys are exhausted because Piper Girl is upstairs, and I think we'll probably let her loose for the last segment down here. Piper Girl, 85-pound, two-year-old golden retriever, Gigi's home. Uh, we got the uh, service tomorrow for a barb. And uh, so Piper Girl's here, and uh, everybody beware. 9.45. All right, if you've been a regular viewer slash listener of the Packer and Durham program, you know every once in a while we stumble into things. Not intentionally, but sometimes, eh, why not, right? Earlier this week, we ran a um, information about spring sports and the ranked nationally ranked. nationally ranked programs in spring sports. Uh, and look, the ACC has an incredibly proud tradition in the sport of crew. Virginia's been exceptional. Clemson's been very good. Virginia's been dominant. Virginia has been dominant. Clemson's hosting this year, Friday, May 13th. And it appeared that in the graphic we ran on the show, not available rankings. Well. Bothered me. Yes. What do you mean we don't have rankings for crew? Of course we got rankings for crew. And if not, let's create some. And and therefore we have. And a shout out to Justin Wilson of the ACC office. In Greensboro, who oversees the communications for crew. He's watching very intently this morning. He should. You know, and every week, the ACC, much like they do in football and in basketball, they'll have the player of the week, team of the week, whatever. Crew of the week. This past week, Duke was the crew of the week. And I'm like, well, we got to have rankings. So, therefore... That's what we've created for the first time ever on Packer and Durham. Oh, my goodness. Here it is. Here it is. Look at this. The top 10 crew rankings of the ACC. There's only nine teams. Therefore, there's an open spot, which means it's time to get creative. But I've told you, when the Who's are in water, they are hard to beat, whether it be (laughs) swimming, diving, or a lake. Virginia. Wahoo wah. UVA. Number, number one one in crew. Duke is number two. They're the team of the week. Mm. Crew of the week. Number three, Syracuse. Syracuse, okay. Maybe a surprise. Yeah. Number four, Clemson with the home lake advantage <laughs> yes. coming up next month for yeah. the ACC championship. Okay. Notre Dame having a solid year, are five they? spot. They are. Okay. What do you lot, got on Notre there's Dame? There's a lot of lakes by Notre Dame, if you haven't noticed. You go to a game in South Bend, there's lakes around South Bend. Number six, Louisville. They go out to Michigan City, get in the lake? Is that what they do? It's better than you think. Once it thaws out, you're good to go. Okay. Seven, BC. What about Louisville? Six, they're good? All right. They're having a good – I mean, they're middle of the pack right now in the ACC. Seven, Boston College. Anybody been to Boston? Man, you know. You go around Boston. Charles River? You see people out there all the time. I think I've seen the crew boathouse right there by Chestnut. It's right there. Eight, Miami. I thought they'd be better. If anybody's got water, Miami's got water. Nine. Is this kind of like the beach volleyball theory? It kind of bothers me. Dan okay. Radakovich. Dan Radakovich got to get on here and talk. Miami's got crew and they're eighth in your rankings. Yeah, they got to get better than that. A little that. concerned. Uh, they got to get beach volleyball, too. That's We're going to get with Radakovich later about that. <laughs> Number nine, North Carolina. Time to pick it up a little bit. Jordan Lake, right there. God, it's right there. Heels got to be better than that. And 10, the coveted 10 spot. <laughs> the league's only got nine. Jawhawks? Yeah, Jawhawks, misspelled. How about that? The Kansas City Jawhawks. I don't know who they are, but they're again, Mark Emmert doesn't know who they are either. 
It's supposed to be Jayhawks. That is a double whammy. That's why they're 10th, Wes. Nobody in Kansas knows anything about a crew, including the Jawhawks, whoever they are. <laughs> ah, rock, shock, Jawhawks. KU. There you go. Crew rankings. Might have to do that every week. And I will point out. I'm looking for a Jawhawk. We don't have it in here. We'll have Jawhawks in no here. There's no Jawhawks jaw in here. Okay. Uh, and I'll tell you what, Wes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jawhawks may stay there for a while. <laughs> I, I think Jawhawk has a chance to be the permanent 10th team yeah. in the league. In the crew? Yeah. Jawhawks. The yeah. KC Jawhawks. KC Jawhawks. Whoever they are. Yeah. It's like Mark Emmert. Uh, congratulations to the Kansas City. Uh, who are these guys again? <laughs> Come on, Emmert. Please. Go back to sleep. Uh, Please. Tell you what, Virginia's number one in uh, Pac-Man's top ten crew rankings. Top ten crew. They're number one. Yeah. They've won one, 11 straight. That's dominant. They're, they're great. Yeah. I'm telling you, who's in the water? There we Forget go. It. Here we go. Live action video of the Virginia crew. Now, again, we proposed on this show about five months ago that on Friday, May 13th, we would like to do this show from a boat that's not in Lake happening. Hartwell. That's not happening. Don't know if it's in a budget. I've not heard a word about it yet. But we're trying to help other sports in the league get some exposure. So what better than a little crew? There you go. You know I like that lake living? I'd like to retire on the lake one day. Sooner than later? Maybe by the end of this show. Maybe. <laughs> Uh -huh. we keep going jawhawk on jawhawk. I yeah. might be forced to retire on the lake. Yeah, there you have it. By All the way, right. we parked our van down by the river we down did. in New Orleans. We did. We may have to be brought, <laughs> we may have to be going live from Lake Cartwell here before we know it. We saw some characters down by the river. We too. had creatures and vampires. What we were doing our deal. Wow. Um, all right. We had Katie George and Dallin over there at the Superdome. That was a safe No problem spot. there, right in the middle None. of the city. With us? We had all the stars of uh, clubbing with the net up on our set. Yeah. For Packer and Durham, they said, well, we're going to put you two dudes down, down by, by the, the river. river. Yeah. And, man, we had every wacko Which... and wild. I mean, we had some, we had some, like I said, <laughs> vampires and creatures. And spot-up trivia. Oh, yeah. That was good. That was quality. Some guy. Some guy just showed up and decided, hey, hey, you guys know sports? <laughs> uh, kind of. How about this question? Yeah. I'm like, oh, my God. So we're on the air in 30 seconds. So back what? in 1945, I'm like, you know what? I hate trivia, and I'm about ready to throw this dude in the river. It was true. That was absolutely going to oh, happen. Oh, my God. All right. Uh, by the way, happy anniversary. You think, I think holding two hurricanes might have been a, a, a tip that this guy might not have been dialed in. Well, I think that had something to do with it. And he started asking a question and really didn't know the answer, which was the best part of his right. trivia question. Right. Um, all right. Happy anniversary to Virginia this morning. Cavaliers, three years ago today, 85-77 overtime win at U.S. Bank Field in Minneapolis. How about this? What a run this right, team is It's on. one of the best stories. All right, we, we talked about NC State's 83 Roma Valvano, which yeah. was spectacular. But this run right here, yep. I'm not going to put it up with NC State's 83 because that was just stupid good. But what a bizarre combination of games for the Hoos. That yeah. Purdue game, I'll never forget it. 
the Auburn game with the call, the Auburn fans still whining about that. And then, of course, overtime for the championship. And, you know, I a little shout-out when we were sitting there having some fun with the Kansas City Jawhawks. Uh, I have a little shout-out there for the Big 12. Thank goodness Virginia won this one, Wes, because that would have been three consecutive Big 12 national titles. Yeah. Texas Tech, Baylor, Kansas. That league is outstanding when it comes to basketball. Get nothing but props and love mm-hmm. from our league, which is the standard to the Big 12 because they play such good basketball. But that was a great run yep. for Tony Bennett in Virginia. Three years ago today for Tony Bennett and the Cavaliers. And, of course, uh, Virginia has had just a terrific, terrific run with Tony Bennett. By the way, real quick, you know why I like the Big 12? Hmm. Because they don't rub your face in it. You know, they're good. It's just kind of, hey, you know, we're going to – our play does the talk. Right. And they're good. They're solid. They're deep. They're consistently good. You know, I, I respect that. Yeah, no question. There are a lot of people barking about how great they are. Then you go, well, you guys ever win anything? I mean, mm-hmm. hey, Pac-12, 97, last time you won anything. Big 10, 2000, last time you won anything. SEC, happy anniversary. It's been 10 years since you won anything. Big 12 is solid, man. They're good. Yeah, did a great job. Uh, and they got good programs. I mean, yeah, Iowa State, Sweet 16 this year. Excellent. I mean, really good coaches. I think it's uh, – a uh, really an interesting – and they've got great basketball. And they also are looking for a new commissioner, which yeah. we really haven't touched base with because, you know, our guy, the demand, mm-hmm. Jim Phillips, locked in a little bit. Again, the changing of the landscape, not only within our league, which we talk about, especially right. men's basketball, but college athletics with the transfer portal, name, image, and likeness, what's going to happen with the college football playoff down the road. Uh, and you've also had the leadership roles change. Look, you basically have a new guy running the Big Ten, mm-hmm. new guy running the Pac-12, new right. guy running the ACC, and you're going to now have a new guy running the Big 12. Greg Sankey's going to be the old man over there, right? Mr. Experience. It's all changed around him. No question about it. And from a football perspective especially. Oh, well, from everything. Yeah. I mean, but the power five of the way this thing's moving forward, Bob Bowlesby's retirement, and I saw a report, I don't know if you saw this in Kansas City yesterday, where there is some sense of urgency to go ahead and get this thing done in terms of a successor to Bob Bowlesby. I think you need to hurry. Yeah. I mean, t- every day goes by. Believe me, college athletics is changing so quickly. Yeah, kind so, of crazy, right? I think they've got a no-brainer. And for me, if I was in charge of the Big 12, I would hire Oliver Luck in a millisecond. I think he's a perfect fit. Former athletic director, West, West Virginia. Virginia. He's worked number two guy at the NCAA. He's been on the college football playoff committee. His son, of course, being a superstar, you got to understand name, image, and likeness. I know it was yeah. a different era, but he kind of understands. I, I think he would be a great fit for the Big 12. And I think, and this we're skewing a little bit here, but I think bigger picture, Oliver Luck is also a guy that would fit well in that room. Oh, without question. And see, that's going to be part without of question. this. Because, look, we, we kind of ham and egged a little bit about the NCAA, but there's a lot of truth to the ham and egging because here's the thing. Those five commissioners, and I'll add Val Ackerman of the Big East in there from a basketball perspective because I think that, that world is going to pivot slightly as well, um, especially when things are happening like they are this year with the portal. I think the portal is becoming something that is a fear as much as it is something being embraced. Yep. Um, but I would add Val Ackerman. I would add the American into that discussion because I think here's the here's the trick on this: those six or seven leagues are going to have to go and take the ball and go to their side of the house, and that side of the house is going to be where major college athletics is played. I think. 
Well, I think college football is running the show, and that's why it's five. I, mean, I don't disagree with that. No, just the Big East is a great basketball yeah, Big league. East and the American are going to factor in a little bit, but I think you're five are right when There's it comes five. to football. Yeah, they when it comes five. to the bigger money and the expansion of the playoff, those five are and, definitely And if you're offended, if you're not one of the five, then don't be because don't be. you're not one of them. Yeah, and I think certainly the way the Big 12's expanded, I think Oliver Luck can embrace that too. Without question. But I don't know what I'm, – I'm not saying that like I've got inside information. No, no, I'm with I you. I don't. I think he'd be very good. I, but I'm just saying that if I was in the Big 12, that mm-hmm. would be a guy I'd put number one on my list. And I don't – and maybe you are. I'm not. I don't know how their constitution's written in terms of how that process takes place. I don't place. Think, have okay. no idea. Yeah. Um, real quick, before we get to Brooke Wyckoff here in two minutes, remind you, uh, did you see the lacrosse last night, Virginia Tech and Duke? Well, guess what? Next week, men's lacrosse takes center stage – uh, double header for you on a Thursday night. We're going to start with Virginia and Duke at 6 o'clock, and then we're going to pivot to the ladies' side. How about number one, North Carolina, number 16, Virginia? That's at 8 o'clock in Charlottesville. Double dip of lacrosse coming up for you next Thursday night on ACC Network. The Packer and Durham Podcast. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham. It is a Friday. We're getting you ready for the weekend. Should be a great one. Tons of tremendous matchups, all kinds of different sports. And Wes, our next guest, makes her fourth appearance, and uh, it's now official. She is running the show for the women's basketball program at Florida State. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to make sure I get this right. This is the head women's basketball coach at Florida State. This time we're doing it for real. Please welcome Brooke Wyckoff. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm great. I'm great. It's so good to see you guys back together in the same place. Last True. time around, we were all separate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> great. Hey. Good to see you guys. How are you? Well, congratulations. We're great. And I hope you are. I mean, I, I, Brooke, what was the, Fantastic. the end, I mean, you guys play in the first four, tough loss. And then like a week later, Sue says, I'm kind of done. And look, you were hopeful, I'm guessing, and talking to Michael Offord, I get all that. But at some point, did you think, hey, wait a second, during the pandemic, I got married, I have children, I'm doing this. I mean, were you thinking, hey, wait a second, this could all unravel here if, if I'm not careful. And thankfully, that didn't happen. Yeah, I mean, you know, Florida State is an amazing place. It's an amazing place to work. This this program is a great program. I I took nothing for granted uh, when this all happened, and and Coach Sue decided to to move on. And someone said last night, Coach Sue graduated. Um, <laughs> yeah, she graduated. She's moving on. But I I really I, I took this very seriously that um, coming into it as you know I I. I I don't take anything for granted just because I've been here. Um, this is a great job. And I was very fortunate um, to be able to, to be the next one, next one up. Um, and I'm super excited. Brooke, did you have any idea that uh, Sue was thinking that, Hey, you know what? It's, it's time to hand the torch over. You know, it was, look, she's been doing this for 25 years. This was her 25th year. And so, you know, anytime that someone's been doing it this long, you're like, just knowing the nature of the business, it's like, how much longer can you do this? Right. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a tough job, but 
she had uh, she came into the season off of the uh, the year that she took away with her her mother. She came in fired up, so much energy, as much energy as she's ever had, um, and was super just ready to go and ready to tackle the season. And um, but I think you know just she was she was really ready when she finally made the decision at the end of the season. You know she was ready, and you got to be ready because after doing this for so long. Um, you gotta, it's hard to walk away from, but it, we all had a piece about it. She certainly did. And I just wish her the best. I, I hope she's somewhere with her feet kicked up right now or sleeping at this moment. I hope yeah. she's asleep still. <laughs> all right. So here's, here's question one in the interim year you had, what do you take away from a pro standpoint and what do you want to change that you learned in that interim year? Because I, I think I know you well enough to know you probably had a list somewhere where you said, okay, I really like the way this went. I didn't like the way that went. And here's kind of, if I'm ever going to be a head coach before you were actually the head coach, this is what yeah. I would do. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's so cool that I, I feel so fortunate to have had that hindsight 2020 uh, thing where I had a little practice run and then also went back to being a, an assistant mm -hmm. and watching Sue and how she handles situations that I had just lived and, and getting that lesson. Um, I think there's a lot of stuff in game that, you know, having done it just for the first time two years ago, you know, substitution patterns, end of game situations, um, and, and just emotional intelligence. I feel like I'm constantly learning that. Um, you know, just how to, how to respond, how to react as a head coach. I had no idea the first time around, you know, and everybody's looking at you. Um, and there's certainly many moments where it's like, I wish I had communicated that differently. I wish I had paid more attention to what was going on over here. And, uh, I am really, I do, I have a long list of things, uh, that I'm going to go into this year with just, uh, better head on my shoulders and having been there and, and seen it done again, this past season as an assistant. <laughs> Look, I hope you get comfortable because there must be something in the water in Tallahassee. I mean, we saw the legendary Bobby Bowden, may he rest in peace, uh, coach forever. Mike Martin, Florida State baseball forever. Uh, coach Sue, you just mentioned 25 years doing her thing. Uh, Leonard Hamilton's been rocking and rolling. So, you know, I want you to get comfortable now because the expectation is that when you're running the show at Florida State, great success and long term. Yeah, I, I, I hope to be uh, here long term, but getting comfortable, whew, that, that is not going to happen. I know that, um, you know, Florida State has an amazing reputation and, and history of success, but that's I, I've seen it up close that the hard work that goes into that day in and day out, uh, fortunate to have seen it behind the scenes for about 25 years. And I'm ready to do that, taking nothing for granted. Uh, but I would certainly love to be here as long as, as they'll have me, as long as, um, you know, I'm rep representing the Seminoles uh, the way they deserve to be represented. All right, here's the good news. There's nothing absolutely, you know, volatile or, you know, upheaving about college basketball right now. I mean, everything is just smooth. There's no, there's no roster volatility. There's no transfer portal, no NIL, no, no nothing. I mean, this is the most calm college basketball has ever been, Brooke. I think you're in great shape, right? Nothing to worry about. Oh yeah. We've just been, you know, we've been hanging out, just hanging <laughs> with our, our players and, you know, doing a little workout here and there and just really, you know, 
just chilling right now. It's the off season. <laughs> it's 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 interesting. It is it is a is a new time. Even though the transfer portal has been around, you know, for a, year, a few years now, uh, this year feels different. It really mm-hmm. does with all the movement. And, you know, it's a great opportunity for everybody. It's a, it's a great opportunity for student athletes to really find what they're looking for and, and, and having experienced something, go and see if they can find something um, that's going to suit what they want. And then it's a great, it's great opportunity for teams to say, hey, we need, we need to fill this hole or uh, we can get better this way. So um, it's crazy. But it's a great opportunity, and that's just how we have to look at it, that this is the new normal. All right, so as somebody who now is in charge of this program, stem to stern, uh, let's <laughs> talk about recruiting, where you have been dynamite in that aspect of it. And then I think, you know, proved your chops in terms of X's and O's a year ago when you were, when you <laughs> were the interim. How do you do this? How do you balance? The, and I've heard a lot said this week about the portal versus the building of the recruiting. You know, the high school kid, the the traditional recruiting opposed to portal recruiting. Is there a fine line you've got to find to build successful programs? Yeah, yeah. I think it's it really is to be grounded in what's important to you and the types of people that you want in your program. And so those types of people are in high school, <laughs> they're in colleges elsewhere, mm-hmm. um, and they're your current players. And so it really is about being very, very clear about what's important to you, uh, whether that's culture, whether that's just let's just win, baby. You know, um, there's there's a lot of different philosophies out there. And then you've got to go and build relationships with the transfer portal. Sometimes that has to happen very quickly. Um, the main thing is that you have to focus on relationships with your current players that is the thing that cannot get overlooked is that the recruiting of your current players and making sure that they're they're on board with you they're aligned with what you want um that their their thoughts and doubts and questions are being answered on a daily basis almost um is huge and so it becomes all about relationships and some are over the long term like you said hmm. some are quick and but it's a daily investment Brooke, uh, we've seen on the men's side, uh, Kenny Payne hired by Louisville. Hubert Davis goes back home to Carolina and has an incredible first year. John Shire and Al Duke <laughs> back running the show. He's going to get a chance to d- jump in the deep end of the pool. Of course, yeah. Jim Beheim's been at Syracuse for 100 years. Now you basically, not that you've left, but you really have now come home to be the head coach. How cool is that for you? I mean, you know, you walk in, jerseys up there. You've got great blood, sweat, and tears on that court. Uh, and now you're running the program. That's got to be really kind of feel like full circle. It really is. I mean, that's a great way to put it. It's full circle. Uh, literally, I stepped on campus here um, in the fall of 1997. And uh, that's been a, been a good minute. And just having experienced Florida State and the women's basketball program um, from the very beginning of, of just building something into what it's been today and having been an assistant, uh, it really is just a, a dream come true in terms of being able to still be at a place and lead a program that has done so much for me. And I, I honestly look at it as an opportunity to give back. Uh, that is, at the end of the day, what coaching has to be about. It's got to be about mm-hmm. everyone else. 
um, and their experience. And so there's no other place uh, right now that I'd rather do it than at Florida State where I've grown so much, been given so much. And I just, I love the opportunity to continue to do that for the student athletes and the community mm. here in Tallahassee that's supported me so much over the years. You know, Brooke, we, we talked to Coach Sue, I guess, what, with about three weeks left to go in the regular season, kind of the highs and lows of the season for, for you guys in particular. But having played in this league at a time when, you know, everybody kind of thought the league was turning the corner, low the many mm. year ago, not to date you, but I'm just saying low the many year ago. Um, in some <laughs> respect, you're taking over Florida State at a time when it's hard to, I mean, it's hard to argue this is the best ACC women's basketball's ever been. I mean, top to bottom, this league is lights out now. I mean, yes. you come in this, you come in this conference, you you've got to bring a game every night, don't you? Every night, every night, the caliber of players uh, that are fill pretty much every roster in this league, the coaching. Um, you know, it's just, it has grown. It's, I used to just get nostalgic for the old ACC, you know, and, and the smaller, the smaller amount of teams in the ACC, but man, I love this conference. Um, and, and for women's basketball, especially the way it's grown, the teams that we face, um, it, it, it really makes it fun. And it keeps you on your toes. Like, we cannot take uh, a game off, no games for granted, uh, and our players can't either. So I, I love that challenge, knowing that that's ahead of us every single year. Um, and I love to see the success of the other teams in the ACC uh, in the postseason as well. I root for them. I think it's great. Um, and, and I'm just excited about the future of this league because I really, you know, only see it getting better. So uh, we're excited to be a part of it and, and to compete with the best night in and night out. Brooke, uh, final question. We've been asking coaches this for the last couple of months and compiling quite a list. And, and now that you're officially running the show, we need to know this for uh -oh. future uh, uh -oh. interviews. Uh-oh. Uh, we need to know what your favorite walk-up music is. On game day, going recruiting, <laughs> uh, getting kids to school, whatever. <laughs> we need to know what the song what? is for you What's specifically. The <laughs> What's the problem? My favorite walk-up music. I, you know, I never have even thought about that. I, on the spot, you guys, I don't even know. It's got to be some like, you know, '90s rap song that just brings me back to my day. <laughs> oh what? my gosh, walk-up music. I honestly don't know. I, you know, I'm gonna go ahead and say I'll, I'll do the, the, um, our fight song. The Seminole, no, the, the war no, chant. No, no, I have no. to. Wrong no, answer. Wrong answer. Okay, let me put I it to you this way. Hey, wait a second. Let me put it to you this way. All right. You got a little girl. So when you have the house <laughs> dance party and mom gets to pick the music for the dance party at the house, and what's no, the song? And nobody can see, and you, nobody can see you singing you. or dancing. What's the song? Oh my goodness. The only thing that runs through my head these days is the Encanto songs. Do you guys know that? <laughs> what is it? I'm totally, I'm totally failing this quiz. I'm sorry. Walk up music. I have to get back to you guys about okay. that. Get you probably never us. have me on we again. We now have our first get back fail. to you. This, this is the first whiff. First, this is the, this is your first oh. official L Brooke. Your first official L is this question. I know. 
I know, you know, walk up music. That's just, oh, I don't want walk up music. I just want to just get it. sneak up. You're going to get it. No, because you need to give that some thought and, and get back to us. Because the next time we have you on, it literally is going to be your intro <laughs> to the interview. You got to know okay. the answer. You got to have it. I'll let you guys know. I'm right. sorry. Oh, right. that was hey. a tough one. Hey, let me just tell you. Mike Norvell's is Play That Funky Music by Wild Cherry. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a really good one. It's not I, yours, though. Not yours, mine. though. It's that not yours. Mine. Because we have our first empty set. Yeah. There we go. Thank right. you, Brooke. It's always great to see you. Be it the lobby, the Sky Club, anywhere. It's always good to see you. Yes, Wes. Yes. Thank you guys so much. It was great seeing you. Yep. Congratulations. See you soon. Congratulations. He's awesome. First whiff. <laughs> yeah. Packer and Durham. This is the Packer and Durham podcast. Packer and Durham on a Friday. Guests include Gabby Sanchez talking a little ACC baseball. Yeah. He's going to be front and center for this big one with Miami uh, and Virginia. Let me, uh, clear up brooke wyckoff the song she's trying to remember that her daughter wants to play all the time is called we don't talk about bruno neither do we neither that's exactly what I first thought i thought no we don't talk about bruno either so there you go but how classic was that she better come up with a song oh she, you, you, you don't let me just say this uh, yeah coach cristobal miami did the same thing uh, outside nonsense <laughs> you're, you're gonna have to come up with a song you don't want us selecting it for you just saying. All right. So we, we got two on the list. We got to get Chris the ball to, to come around. He's been busy putting the staff together. And Brooks got in the homework assignment to come up with their walk-up music. There you go. All right. That's the deal. You want to go to South Florida? Let's do it. It's time Gabby for Sanchez baseball, is going to be involved in the Virginia-Miami series this weekend. One of our ACC Network baseball analysts. Great player in Miami history. Great big leaguer. Gabby, good morning. How are you? Hey, good morning, Pack and Durham. How's everything going? We are uh, we're pretty good. Okay, so here's Virginia, Miami. Uh, this looks like it's got a chance, right? I mean, this has got a chance because Virginia is playing at a level with Ock. I mean, Brian O'Connor's got such a good hitting team, and oh, by the way, they don't pitch it bad either, Gabby. No, they don't pitch it bad. I when you look at these two teams, I'm thinking probably two of the best all around teams in the ACC, and. And that's tough to say because this is a very, very deep conference. When you start to look at it, most of these teams, it's a bloodbath. They're just going after each other. When you look at teams like Virginia, they're 26-3. and Well, the three games that they lost, all ACC games. Uh, You look at Virginia Tech, they're 18-7. and Five of their losses, ACC. So when you start going, it's just ACC teams beating up on ACC teams, which is – it just gives you great baseball. And when you start looking at this Virginia team, they got three good starters. They got a good bullpen. And then up and down their lineup, these dudes can rake. And then all of a sudden, you're talking about guys like Jay Geloff, who last year hit his first home run in the ACC tournament. And now all of a sudden, he's leading the NCAA in home runs with 14, has 53 RBIs. He's second in the ACC in batting average. The dude's just raking. So... Up and down. I mean, and that's not even talking about Kyle Teal. How about Devin Ortiz, who not only is doing it on the bump on the, on, as a week, uh, a midweek starter, but he's also raking. So, 
I, you know, I talked to J.D. Ortiagi yesterday, and he's like, this is a tough lineup because they're professional hitters. You know, they, they use the big part of the field. They stay up the middle. So as a pitcher, it is a very tough lineup to pitch against. And, Gabby, on top of that, not only is Virginia, with everything you just said, spot on, you're taking on the Miami team that's won 10 straight back-to-back coastal sweeps, and the Canes are absolutely rolling right now, too. And th- this is a premier college baseball matchup, not only just the ACC, but from a national perspective. Yeah, Gino, Gino Damari and, and J.D. Arteaga, they've got that team rolling right now. And when you look at their, their front-line starters, Carson Palmquist, Car- you got two Carsons, actually. Carson with the C and Carson with the K. And the Carson with the K is perfect for him because that dude is absolutely dealing right now. And that's Ligon. And then you have Alejandro Rosario, who was their Friday night starter, got bumped down to Sunday. And all of a sudden, now he's starting to get into himself. He's starting to pitch better. You start to go into that lineup. You have a guy like CJ Capus at first base who finally has a chance to get out there and play every day. And he's doing big things. He's got great numbers. You got Yo-Yo Morales at third base, who, in my opinion, is probably the best offensive player on that Miami team. They pitched to him tough. And he's still been doing well. Then you have Dominique Patelli at shortstop, who was only known basically as like a shorthanded shortstop, a guy right. defender. He could make all these plays slick, you know, just giving you Aussie Smith type plays. And he's going out there, he's crushing home runs all over the place. So that ball club up and down the lineup, they can swing the bat. This, this game tonight is going to be a good one. All right, Gabby, I want to follow up here on Miami real quick because I think Gino, following Jim, has kind of settled in, right? I mean, it, it took a season or two for him to put his personality together with the program he wants. But here's the one thing I've noticed in looking at some stats. Miami used to have that guy that about this time of year would be double figures and closing on on 40, 40-some-odd 40 RBIs, right? Miami's got a bunch mm-hmm. of 300 here. they got six guys hitting 300 or more. Have they changed their philosophy at the plate with Geno a little bit? I'm, I'm sure they're going to end up with double-figure home run guys, but that's not as pronounced as maybe Jim Morris's teams used to be. No, and you have to remember, too, that when I was playing there, Geno was the hitting coach. Right. So his philosophy now has carried over. Now he's the head, and he gets to really tell the guys, hey, this is what we kind of want. This is what we're looking for. And he was real big, which I'm, I'm not going to lie. Early on when I was at UM, I was like, what is this dude talking about? Why can't I pull the ball? Why can't I hit this ball over the left field fence? (laughs) And then once you start to realize the concept of hitting, you go, oh, okay, I get what he's saying. Now, it didn't didn't help me until later on, you know, once I was in the minor leagues and working my way up. But there was always those lagging behind. And his mentality is, hey, use that right center field gap if you're a righty. You know, hit hit opposite field because if you're able to stay on that fastball to right center field and you could still hit the ball out because you have power, they start throwing up those change-ups. They start throwing up those curveballs. Now, all of a sudden, you can play to the left field with those. And that was the mentality. Hey, uh, he's not saying on a 2-0 count, you get a cookie. You know, don't try to catch it out in front and leave the ballpark. But on the majority of your ABs, if you can really concentrate on that right center gap, if you're a righty or left center gap, if you're a lefty, you're going to be more successful. And that batting average, which is what you're seeing right now, those are going to tick up. Gabby, we got seven teams uh, ranked from the ACC in the top 25 this week. Uh, 12 of the 14 ACC teams have been ranked at some point in time this season, which shows you the quality depth. 
obviously the main attraction is Virginia Miami this weekend, but there's a bunch of good series. Give me the other team in the ACC that has jumped out at you that is not named Virginia or Miami. <laughs> oh man, uh, see that's tough because you look at teams like Notre Dame. They've got some really good ball players. They're playing good baseball. Louisville. They're playing some good baseball. They're first in the Atlantic. Virginia Tech, they've got two dudes in Jack Hurley who leads the eight NCAA in batting average. You got Cade Hunter, who also is hitting over 400. You got FSU. I mean, two starting pitchers in Parker Messick and Bryce Hubbard. Come on, man. You can't beat those one-two punch right there. So when you start to look, I can't just name you one because this conference is so deep that no matter which team you're looking at, you're going to get a good baseball game, and it, it, it's just crazy to me the depth of this ACC conference. And given the fact those great pitchers you just mentioned with Florida State, and they've got a bunch of arms, the fact that Notre Dame could go yeah. to Tallahassee and sweep Florida State for the and first sweep. time ever is an indicator of how great the Irish are playing, right? I mean, that, that's, that's oh, it, doing it, something. It, it is. Uh, they, they're playing very well, and that, that was a good series too. That first game, uh, when you had Parker Messick going out there and he was throwing the ball well and they ended up winning with a walk-off home run, it, it was a, such a good series. But that's what you're going to be seeing. That's that's what you're getting when you're watching ACC games right now. You're getting really good competitive baseball games. And, and you can't just be like, oh, this is going to be an easy one. Even Duke, you look at a team like Duke, they've got some good ball players too, and they're more of a second-half team also. So all of a sudden you can see Duke all of a sudden go on a run and win 10 or 12 games and go, hey, where did they come from? But that's what you're getting with ACC, the amount of depth and players that are in this conference and the good players. Like I remember writing down names yesterday and we're talking with coaches and it's like, oh, my bullpen, yeah, 94 to 96, 94 to 96. I'm like, what happened here in college baseball? When (laughs) I was playing, you may have had one or two dudes throwing 94 to 96. And now it seems like every single guy who's coming out of your pen is 94 to 96. And it's, it's just fun, one, to call the games. But two, it's fun to just watch these guys go out there and compete. They're also 6'4 and 185 too, Gabby. <laughs> they are. <laughs> right? I mean, they're all 6'4, 175 to 180, and they all throw 94, 96. And if they're left-handed, it feels like it's coming in at 98. There you go. Yeah, or, or you have like a guy like Carson Palmquist who's coming out of the side who yeah. looks like he's thrown from first base and he's lanky and tall. He's coming in hard too. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. The analytics right now in baseball are just through the roof. All right. Hey, great to have you with us. Appreciate it. Enjoy the series this weekend. Looking forward to the coverage. Oh, thank you so much. It's going to be a fun one. All right. Gabby Sanchez, one of our ACC Network baseball analysts. Uh, he'll have uh, part of the coverage from uh, from Coral Gables this week. I'm jealous, man. Get a little shake tonight. Watch a little baseball. You Two get great a shake. teams. You're on the wellness one. That's a good point. But I'd still enjoy watching the baseball. Dude, I'd get a shake. Or two. <laughs> No, just one, man. What are you, those things going for? We got $10 at the Masters we spent. We could get a shake for 10 inside I would 10. hope so. Can we get a shake and maybe a plantain? Be good. Oh, fried plantain. Yeah. I'd go for that. Could you? Yeah. Okay. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham. Jeff Halfley of Boston College. Eagles uh, had a postseason bid a year ago. Didn't make it to the starting gate because of an outbreak. Uh, however... They bring back a lot of familiar names. Now, one of those familiar names is going to be drafted in the first round. That's Zion Johnson, the offensive lineman 
expected to go uh, anywhere mid to late first round uh, coming up in about a month. However, or less than a month now. But the thing about Jeff Halfley is they're getting, you're getting ready to hear a lot of familiar names when he starts talking about his football team. Um, and we asked him, it's been normal, but what has he seen so far this spring with the game tomorrow morning at 11 a.m.? I've seen a lot of competition. You know, we lost a couple guys up front, and I've seen our O-line really come together. We have a bunch of really good, talented O-linemen. Uh, Christian Mahogany is really the, the lone vet coming back, and, you know, I see him in similar, uh, very similar to how I saw Zion last year. I think he has a chance to be one of the, if not best, offensive guards in the entire country and put himself in position to be a high draft pick next year. But the youth, the toughness, um, we've run the ball really well. I'm really proud of the young O-linemen. All right, we talked to you a little bit about John McNulty before. Now that you've gone through this session, what what is his imprint on your offense? What's it look like? What was your expectation, and, and how's that conversion been? Yeah, I don't want to give too much away. Just like Saturday, we're not going to show too much because sometimes it's fun when you get a new coordinator and a new scheme. You keep your first right. three opponents, maybe four opponents guessing. Um, but, but one, we, we want to be able to run the football. We need to run it better than we did last year, and, and mm -hmm. I think we've done that. And from a defensive guy, there's been some practices where I've left very angry, and then actually when I realize I'm the head coach, I'm pretty happy because <laughs> we're, we're running the ball. We're running the ball well. And then certainly with Phil coming back um, and his ability to get the ball down the field and push it down the field, with Zay Flowers and Jalen Gill and Jaden Williams returning, uh, we got some dynamic wide receivers, and I think one of the best quarterbacks coming back in the country. Um, so we established a run. We pushed the ball down the field. I think that, you know, early on in spring, the defense was ahead because it's the third year in the scheme. But the offense has caught up. And our last scrimmage on Saturday, um, I thought the offense had one of their best days. So I'm excited about that and excited by the buy-in from the players. All right. Uh, all this offensive talk, you're a defensive guy. So let's talk about the big boys on the <laughs> other side, Coach, because that's the bread and butter for you. Uh, what about expectations defensively for this team in 22? Well, I think it's going to start uh, the same thing I said. we got to do a better job of stopping the run. Uh, I think we were the third-ranked pass defense in the country last year, uh, which was a huge improvement for us. Uh, but you have to stop the run. We need to be better on first and second down. We need to create more TFLs. We were really good on third down. we gotta, we got to just be better on first and second down. we got a lot of guys up front returning. We'll get Chabuzzi back, Ashita back, Marcus Valdez back. Basically, our whole D-line is coming back. Um, our linebackers – they're all back. We got some really young talent mixed in. Uh, so we have experience on the defense, a lot of young, good athletes who can run. And I'm excited to see the, the next step that we can take. I think Tem has done a really good job of implementing some new schemes this spring. Um, and I'm excited to see where we can take it. That's the part about that side of the ball for me. As much as the Dracovic and Zay Flowers, and I'm glad you mentioned Jalen Gill because I think he's been a guy that's kind of gotten lost in some of the communication nationally about who you're going to be. Defensively, Tim is so good, Jeff. I mean, you know this. I mean, you brought him with you. It's He's one of these bright rising stars in this business that, you know, under your tutelage and guidance, I mean, you guys have really kind of grown this thing to a point where it seems like you're ready on that side. Yeah, you know, I think we should take a step this year, and I agree with Tem. Um, Tem's not only a great coach, but he's an incredible person. He's really mm -hmm. good with our players. I consider him one of my best friends. I think he's a rising star who should get a shot to be a head coach soon. I think that whole defensive staff um, is really, really maybe the best that I've been around as a group, um, and I'm grateful that for three years nobody's left, and they've all had opportunities. So 
I'm appreciative. It's allowed me to kind of step away, and I think I've become a better head coach this mm. spring because I've been able to get around the offense more and the team more rather than yeah. just being entrenched with the defense. And that all starts with my trust in Tim. All right. I want to ask you about this schedule here, and I know we're talking about spring, but you said, you know, we may be 22 personnel all afternoon on Saturday, and I understand that because four of your first six are at home, but your first two, there's Rutgers to open. And then I see at Virginia Tech, at Florida State, Louisville, Clemson before a bye week. I mean, the first six is going to tell the story in some respect, don't you think? Yeah, I think so. I mean, that's really – I haven't seen that schedule in a while. I didn't realize it was at Virginia Tech, at Florida State. So thanks for <laughs> making my morning feel even better. Um, I just know we start with Rutgers um, and watch. They'll put that Virginia Tech game, their home opener, probably at night, right? So we can all hear Enter Sandman as I run out of that tunnel for the first that time. That would be good for you, yeah. We'll, we'll definitely have that. And then possibly on October 8th, I think Dabo's working on getting us to come there again. Um, <laughs> they actually he, – he called me yesterday and asked if I, if I would mind, and I told him, hey, it's your world. I'll do everything we can. Maybe we can get you this time there. <laughs> Um, but they will be telling those first few games. And, yeah, yeah I mean, maybe, maybe we'll line up in Wildcat and maybe we'll throw the ball to Phil. Maybe we'll, you know, who knows what we'll do. I think the spring game you might see, maybe we'll see Mahogany in the backfield carrying the ball. We'll have a little fun. Uh, you just mentioned that you became a better head coach with some of the things that have gone on. It, it, when you look back, I and mean, it's been a quick ride here so far at BC, but when you look back, where have you gotten better, coach, as a head coach? Yeah, well, it's been – I thought about this a bunch the other day. I walked into the pandemic. I literally walked into the transfer mm. portal. I walked into NIL. So I feel like everything just came at me fast. Um, but I think I've done a better job of – like I said, I, I was able to get around the offensive players. I felt like the offense actually felt like I was rooting for them this spring when I probably wasn't rooting for them the last spring and the spring before that uh, because of my trust in Tim and the defense. I've been able to get out of those meetings and spend time with the players and connecting more – with all the players, not just the defensive players. And I think that's, that's my job as a head coach, and I've learned that after two years. Um, I just can't be a defensive guy. It's, it's one of those things, though, that – and I've asked kind of Mike Norvell this because you guys kind of showed up about the same time, right? This is the first one that feels normal, like pre-pandemic for you, I'm guessing? Yeah, it's, it's wild. Um, couple of things. This is the first spring ball where we're able to have recruits here. So all of a sudden I turn around and there's 100 people at practice. And <laughs> then I'm sitting in my office for four straight hours talking to families and recruits. And it's awesome. I mean, I, I was getting our staff ready to get on the road after the spring game. I'm not allowed on the road. I said, what in the world am I going to do in my office without the staff here? I've never been through this before as a head coach. Shoot. So it's going to be you guys might want to get me on the show more. I'm not going to have anything to do. Well, that could be arranged. Sure. Why not? We got them caught in May. They can't go anywhere, so we might as well just, you know, hey, come on in, coach, right? Come host. Yeah. Give us some time off. That's it. How about that? Sure. Pair them up and let's roll them out, right? That's it. All for it. You've uh, done a really nice job, man. I, ex I got expectations for them to cause some problems, don't you? Yeah, I do. I, I think that they're going to be really interesting to watch, and I think the early sequence we were talking about with him during the course of that visit yesterday will be a big part of it, you know? I mean – 
you kind of think of where those games are and the way it all sets up for him. I mean, he's got he's got all the right pieces. That's the thing. What he's got is Jerkovic healthy back at quarterback. Zay Flowers is a problem for everybody in the league, but, and their offensive line always good. Okay. The fact that he wants to get back to running the football tells me something. All right, but he's got Rutgers, and he's got Virginia Tech in the first two. Then he plays Maine at home, and he goes to Florida State in September. That's his September. That's a three and one chance, maybe a four and zero oh chance, yeah. and that's a good, that's a great way to start for them. I mean, but you said this yesterday in our visit. It's the it was the ending that got to him. But see, here's the thing: there was still just enough of the pandemic involved and the testing and all the other stuff that was going on that it kind of skewed a little bit at the end for some. Plus, then you threw in the traditional football injuries, right? And their inability to kind of get yards late became an issue. You give me a healthy Dracovic for them, they're going to cause a problem for somebody. You wait and see. I'm going to give you a healthy Dracovic, but you got to tell me Zay Flowers is going to be Jordan Addison too, right? Uh, Those two? There's only one Jordan Addison. I I think Zay Flowers is a really talented dude, big time. My point is you got to pay attention to four. All right. I'm going to give you a piece here on this. Go to break. The ACC is going to be the best quarterback league in the country again. 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 Second straight year. It also has a chance to be the best wide receiver league in the country. Has a chance. I'm not going to go that far, but I am going to go that far on the quarterbacks. Oh, no question on quarterbacks. I'm just saying has a chance in wide receivers as well. The Packer and Durham Podcast. 